I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein. Welcome to our weekly podcast on REBT-related issues. REBT is Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, a uh, cognitive behavior therapy devised by Albert Ellis. In fact, the first cognitive behavior therapy devised by Albert Ellis in 1955. His first paper was published in 1956 on this. And it's uh, since taken over the psychotherapy movement from the old idea that it's your upbringing and dysfunctional parents that cause your problems. But Albert Ellis had a new idea uh, which made a lot more sense, which is that our emotional problems come from our thinking in the present, what we tell ourselves right now, particularly in the form of demands, must, should, supposed tos, have tos, I must do well, you must treat me well, life must go well. And if it's not, I'm awful, you're awful, or life is awful. So that's the, uh, the um, structure of what we use at this podcast. And uh, I'm here with my partner, Mick Berry, REBT author, actor, and many other things, musician. And uh, we have a guest here with, uh, in the name of Naraj Nanal, who is a student of REBT and uh, very knowledgeable in it. But just because you're knowledgeable in our, in REBT doesn't mean you're 100% sane, I, even though I've been practicing REBT on myself for many, many years, I still have demands, must, should, supposed tos, that uh, create emotional disturbance at times, although I'm doing significantly better than I was years ago. So let's... Uh, uh, Mick, did you want to add anything to the introduction before we start with Nora? Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say just because you're familiar with RBT, it's true. It doesn't mean you're 100% sane. However, hopefully you are largely sane. And if you're familiar with REBT, you don't aim to be 100% sane. Yes, and at least a lot saner than you used to be before you came across it when you were seeing your therapist who was compassionate and agreed that you're a wonderful person and uh, you found you felt better at the sessions, but you didn't really get better. So REBT teaches you to get better. You're talking um, about a therapist you might have seen who wasn't an REBT therapist. Exactly, exactly. Okay, Naraj, you or an acquaintance of yours or a client of yours had a OCD problem that you wanted to discuss, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, as I, as you told that I, I have been studying REBT uh, for long, and you have also helped me in understanding it much better. So now my question is regarding uh, the OCD part, OCD, and when we talk of OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder, the common trope is uh, the people who have OCD they are clean freaks. Okay or probably uh, they are, uh, they want to make sure that, uh, so the classic example is uh, about closing the door. So when they see, uh, they are not sure about whether they have closed the door, they keep, uh, they keep checking again and again, whether the door has been closed or not. So this is a common trope, which is uh, known about uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. 
but i want your opinion and your insight and your wisdom on the other part which is sometimes ignored and that is a magical thinking in ocd so it goes like this uh, the a is what if x happens okay uh, b is that would be horrible it should not happen and c is you get into some ritualistic behavior to avoid uh, to avoid the x from happening yeah i like uh, to that anuraj and that yeah. that's very good uh but another thing that's often in there with ocd is i must have a guarantee it won't happen so yeah. i keep, i keep checking the door to make sure it's closed or i keep going to the doctor to make sure i'm not dying and things like that yeah uh, yeah and, and let me just throw in also people who are com- obsessive compulsive they have a concern about something that it's good to have a concern about. Yeah, yeah. very good. So, yeah, it starts so, with a preference. As Mick is implying, it starts with a preference, a concern yeah. that it's good yeah. to have a concern about. It's good to have a concern that when you leave your house, your door is closed. Uh, hmm. But then they make it into a must and yeah. uh, and, a, and a demand for a guarantee. Yeah, yeah. So as you highlighted the other part also, Michael, that reassurance seeking, which happens. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 All and, these all these rituals are often in part to have reassurance. Yeah, yeah. So there, the the term used is magical thinking that the person believes that somehow if he does the rituals, uh, then probably he will uh, he will undo the danger. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that is one part. Another part uh, which I see in that is that being anxious, that person believes at some level that because uh, if he he remains anxious or he becomes anxious, then somehow he will able to uh, undo the danger or ward off against danger. Yes, yes. I have seen that with parents of teenagers that I've worked with. Yeah. Uh, and the teenagers not got home yet. It's 12 midnight, it's 1 a.m. And the the parent is worrying. And the thought is, if I worry or not, uh, if I worry enough, it will protect my teenager from harm. By the way, do you have a specific case you have in mind? Of yourself, a friend, someone else, so we can make this a little more concrete? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is related with... This is related with uh, the recent COVID pandemic. Yeah. So that person has a fee, uh, had a uh, had a fever, and he wanted a guarantee. Okay. He demanded that, a guarantee, or just wanted one, because as Mick pointed out, that wanting something is fine, but mm-hmm. did he also make it into a must? Yeah. Right. Let yeah. Me throw, yeah. Out, throw out, Michael, if the thing you want is a guarantee, then I think that starts to get into a demand. But correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I have a different view. And that is, there's a universe of difference between a preference and a demand, and one doesn't get into another, but uh, uh, us imperfect humans often escalate them into another. Right, but if you want a guarantee, guarantees are not possible to have. So right. what about if you want something 
If you want a guarantee, you cannot get a guarantee. If you don't demand to have a guarantee, I agree that's good. But wanting a guarantee, I see, is wanting a certainty. And that, to me, is getting close, very close to a demand. Well, again, well, we disagree on that. So um, just to say what I just said, that if you want something that's impossible, that's not going to cause emotional disturbance or obsessive behavior or anything like that. It, um, I could want to be the richest man in the world, which is impossible, but it might motivate me to work harder and make more money. Um, but even if I want something that doesn't exist, I want, a, uh, I want to live forever. That doesn't exist. That's impossible. No one lives forever, obviously. But again, that could be a motivator to me to exercise, eat healthily, those kinds of things. So uh, that's fine. We don't have to agree on everything. But uh, well, and- let me just let me just throw out. I would say if you want something that's impossible, I think there's a strong that's a strong indication you've got a demand. Okay, it could be an indication, and maybe even a strong indication, as you say. But it's not a necessary indication. Would you agree with let's, that? Let's let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I want to focus again back to the specific example, Michael, if I may so. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the example which I was sharing was a uh, person has a uh, person ha- uh, has a fever and now he wants to go to the doctor to check whether he has COVID or not. Yeah, yeah. And obviously B, he demands that I should have a guarantee that I should not have a COVID. Yeah. And see, at C, he does some ritualistic behavior where the magical thinking comes in, where he believes that if he does some uh, ritualistic behavior, then he will, he can undo that possibility. Yeah, for example. So uh, it can be example like um, maybe counting some numbers or it may be uh, closing the door uh, three, four times, something of, uh, so these two are possible examples. Yeah, yeah, those are good examples. Yeah, yeah. Now here, um, can I just add uh, two points here? Yeah, yeah, please. One, the two, the one point which we already discussed that the person has a belief that if he remains anxious, then uh, then uh, the chances are he, he will possibly undo the danger or undo the possibility. That is one. Yeah. Yeah. Second thing is when he realizes that it would be good if he doesn't uh, uh, doesn't do the ritual. Okay, at yeah. one level he yeah. has a, he has a thought that if he doesn't do the ritual, that will be good because he can see that it is irrational. Yeah. But yeah. then he he has a thought that if he doesn't do the ritual and the worst thing happens, then he will be have to be blamed for not doing the ritual. Yeah, yeah. So the, then there is a fear of guilt or fear of blaming oneself yeah yeah so is it making sense to you i understand the example yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so now i would like your uh, thoughts on the same and uh make uh i would like to know your insight on well it sounds like there are a number of problems mixed in there but yeah so the last one you mentioned was a fear of guilt is that right yeah yeah. So how you will define that emotion that if he uh, if a person doesn't do the ritual, which he thinks are irrational, but then after that, uh, for not doing if he doesn't do the ritual, he takes the risk of not doing the ritual and mm-hmm. things go south. Yeah. 
then yeah. then he thinks that he will be, he will blame himself for not doing the thing which he could have because of which he could have avoided the uh, uh, avoided the covid yeah so he might know himself well enough that he's likely to blame himself and that self blame comes from his yeah. end i should yeah. have done the ritual so yeah. the bottom line here is uh, as albert ellis used to say cherche le must cherche le should uh, excuse my poor french accent and yeah. uh, and so he as a should i should have done the ritual to avoid this and mm -hmm. uh, uh, so the thing is to we teach our clients to question, challenge, and contradict their shoulds. There mm -hmm. are no shoulds. There's nothing you must do since you're mm -hmm. a perfect human. So there are things that it would be better to do. Mick? Well, I, I would think really what we want to do with RABT is find the demand. Whenever we have anxiety, whenever we have irrational behavior, there is a demand there. You can count on it and finding it is part of getting rid of it. And so if this person is saying, uh, I cannot have COVID or is hung up about possibly having COVID, look for the demand. And I think this person, I would say, is doing the ritual and demanding to have a guarantee not to have COVID. I think this person could look for the demand, which I think it is, I must not have COVID. I must have an absolute guarantee that I must not have COVID because if I had COVID, it would be absolutely awful. And by that, when people say something's absolutely awful, they generally mean they can't stand it. It's more than the world should ever present. And nothing in the world is more than the world should ever present because it's in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Niraj? Yeah. So uh, one question I have regarding this, that uh, when I was discussing this with uh, that person, uh, where to focus? Because there are a couple of must involved here. Number one must is I must have an ironclad guarantee that I should not get a COVID. Yeah. But derivative of that is if I get, I cannot stand it. Right. Yeah. So which which area to be focused? I, I cannot stand it or uh, I should not get COVID. I would yeah. say well, focus normally, on both. Well, yeah. you, yeah. Not, you can't focus on both at the same time. So no, not one, on do which, one and then do the okay, other. Rick, let me finish, please. If you want to focus on uh, both, since you can't focus on both at the same time, the thing to focus on is the one that is more meaningful to the client. So usually I yeah. ask the client, I point out the different irrationalities in there, which one we, which one shall we focus on first? Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I, you, you asked me my opinion, Michael? I thought you wanted to say something. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, go on. My experience is I don't always know which one myself. So I just begin uh -huh. with one and I focus on that and I take care of that. And then I turn to the other and I focus on that and take care of that. And then I see how I feel. If yeah. I don't feel better, if my behavior is not better, it's in Michael, you could help me here. It's invariably because I didn't refute the demand as strongly as I could. I didn't recognize what the demand was, or also I have a secondary demand that I must not have this demand. Michael, mm -hmm. is there something you'd like to add to that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, 
a good um, acronym to use is MVP. Uh, in baseball, that's most valuable player, but in REBT, it's, uh, it's important that when you dispute and contradict your demands, your, your contradictions are meaningful to you, that's the M. V, you do it vigorously, which Mick is always good at doing, and P, you do it persistently, again and again and again and again. It's not a silver bullet. You're not usually going to get over it uh, in one trial learning because our brains are programmed to continually manufacture our musts and shoulds. Even Albert, even once in a while, I noticed Albert Ellis had a must or should about something. I, yeah, I've seen him have musts or shoulds. Right, I'm, right. I'm, I wanted to add something. Yeah, I wanted to add to what you just said, and that is that proves he's human. Even Albert Ellis, the great master, had musts and shoulds. Mick? Yeah, uh, though you won't get over it entirely with one attempt, I have found if I improve a little bit, just a little bit, it's a good indication I've located the demand and done it, uh, it refuted it effectively, and then I plan on waiting some period of time, refuting it again, waiting on some period of time, refuting it again. So I do find getting a little bit of progress is an indication that I've found the demand. Yeah. 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 Well yeah. Said, yeah. yeah. So I want to now highlight the other part of the issue, which I uh, started with uh, questioning, and that is the ritual part. So I think there are other sets of must involved. Can I just uh, uh, share that? Yes, we still, have some, we still have some more time. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And that is uh, regarding the rituals. So the person knows that these rituals are irrational, but they don't want to take a chance that if it, they don't do the rituals and something goes wrong. Now, at one level, the person understands that this is irrational. So I think there are must involved is I should not make a mistake of not doing the ritual and then facing the music. And yeah. I must avoid bad things. Yeah. So I, I can see these too much. So would you like to comment on that, Michael? This specific aspect of magical rituals. Yeah, again, uh, you've identified some more shoulds in there. Uh, yeah. Hypothetical client has a, a long list of them. So mm -hmm. it's important to uh, dispute and contradict all of them. And yeah. uh, again, and again, and again, and again. And again, this uh, client illustrates how easily it is for humans to make their strong preferences into demands. Nick? Yeah, uh, I, I was thinking that this per particular individual would, I, I don't know how familiar they are with RABT and the ABC exercise, but having that person become familiar with the ABC exercise would be crucial. We can tell people often or they, someone can ask for our advice and we can tell them we go, oh, I see it. And a common response is, well, I know that intellectually, but I don't really feel it. And I once heard Albert Ellis address this and he said, when somebody says that, it means they don't really believe it. That's right, exactly. And there are various ways to believe it more. And that is think about it more, identify your demands more, question them, and also uh, study REBT, and one way to do that is to read my book, Three Minute Therapy, 
or read some of the books of Albert Ellis. Albert Ellis had wrote over 80 books on topics related to this. And uh, Mick, you have your hand up? Yes, one of my very favorites is how to stubbornly refuse to make yourself miserable about anything. Yes, anything, I'm reading it again now. It's delightful. Uh, okay, great, great, good recommendation. Yes, I agree about that book. Uh, how to stubbornly refuse to make yourself miserable about anything. Yes, anything. <laughs> In uh, Albert Ellis's typical style of writing. <laughs> yeah, he says that the publishers complain about the title initially. <laughs> That's interesting because he complained about the title of my book, Three Minute Therapy, initially. But I, I think that helped get it popular. And I had over 200 radio interviews uh, when the book came out. And the first wow. question is, you mean you can get over your problems in three minutes? So it gave them a hook to start the interview. And I remember Albert Ellis himself addressing that. Somebody said, "Does it? can you do it in three minutes? And he said, it doesn't even have to take that long. You can do, that's <laughs> right. He said, you can do it in three seconds. Just show yourself the should is bullshit. There aren't no shoulds. And let me throw out, when you get really good at it, you can do it in three seconds. You can do it in one second. That's really, 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 uh, with many more reallys, good, good at it. Um, <laughs> okay, well, thank you, uh, Niraj, for being our guest. You gave us a lot yeah. to discuss here. Thanks, Mick, for partnering me on this and your wise comments. I have one more thing to say, if possible. Uh, yeah, we don't have much more time. Well, I got over my obsession with locking a door, very important door. I would just take the time to lock it, look at it and say, the door is locked, take a moment, and then I'd leave. And I know it would be nuts if I worried about it being locked anymore. Yeah, another thing you can do, and uh, what Mick is illustrating, what I call in my book, Three Minute Therapy, a three second knockout. And another one is tough shit. If the door's open and everything in my apartment is stolen, that would just be very, very bad, very inconvenient, a great hassle, but not the end of the world. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, we had a third gentleman, a fourth gentleman here, Chris Rossini, our tech engineer. Thank you, Chris, for engineering this. And if you have uh, a comment, please put it in below. Uh, if you liked it, give us a, a thumbs up. Suggest subjects that you'd like us to discuss, as Naraj did. Volunteer to be a guest, as Naraj did. Naraj seemed to have survived very well. Donate to Patreon to uh, help support the Three Minute Therapy podcast. And subscribe to it to stay on the rational side of life.